Hello everyone, it's Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. Today I have with me John Miller, who is an author, a former member of the United States Army, and a Christian ufologist. He has written multiple books, some fictional and others regarding the phenomenon and how it intersects with Christian scriptures and beliefs. His books include Aliens and the Antichrist, Paranormal Christian, The Strong Delusion, and Christian Ufology. Nathan is also here today. He is the co-host of Calling All Beings and Liminal Frames. Welcome to you both today. Thanks, Deb. Good to be here. Hi. Yeah, good to be here. Okay. So please, please, can you start at the beginning and tell us what drew you into ufology? Yeah, so I, I suppose uh, I have a pretty good memory about my childhood. So, you know, I remember back when I was five, um, we used to watch Star Trek, you know. I loved Star Trek. And uh, my mom was, you know, pretty open. And I, I was the kind of kid that just asked questions about everything. And my mom would just answer all of my questions. So, you know, case in point, she told me about the real Santa Claus, not the santa claus flying around in a sleigh so you know and the real santa claus was actually more intriguing a 16 year old kid you know turning over his entire fortune uh to the church and dedicating his life to these kids you know and then actually later on getting so heated in in the debates uh, i believe it was the council of nicaea he belted some guy you know so th that's a santa claus i can relate to so she would always just tell me these things, these very in-depth discussions. And you're talking like ever since I was, I can remember. So, and she talked to me like I was an adult, you know. So I think that I was able to relate at a young age at that kind of level. And uh, people would always trip out on me when they came over to visit, you know, because I'd sit there and have these intellectual conversations with people and stuff. Um, but uh, the topic of extraterrestrial life would come up and my mom would be like, well, I don't see how the space could be empty, you know. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and at five years old, I was at my grandmother, my great-grandmother's house. So this woman, you have to understand, is from the Bible Belt, uh, wife of a minister, 60 years, Jesus coming out of her mouth every other word. And you almost couldn't talk to her without Jesus somehow being in the conversation. And if the TV was on, it was an evangelist. If the radio was playing, it was gospel music. I mean, she knew how to play the piano, all gospel songs. You know, she was just utterly consumed with Jesus. Uh, always reading the Bible. She once told me, I asked her, you're always reading that book. Are you ever going to finish it? And she's like, I'd finished it 27 times. <laughs> Literally, she read it 27 times. So she really knew the word. And this was my great-grandmother. And my great-grandfather was, you know, a pastor traveling evangelist actually they've been to i think over 30 states in the united states it just traveled throughout the great depression and uh just hit the road and would go to church to church preaching you know for years and uh so this is sort of my family heritage you know but then came the 1960s and my dad and my mom they just sort of went crazy and my mom would have said she she said that she believed in Jesus and everything, but her version of Jesus was more like just, you know, why did they have to kill him, you know, like not 
understanding the whole message of the cross and stuff, just thinking, you know, oh gosh, those people were so evil killing such just pure human being, you know. Um, but just to say, uh, I was raised in that environment, and then I was at my great-grandmother's one evening when I was five years old, and everybody's, a lot of people were there, and there was all this discussion. It might have been around Christmas time or something. Um, and my grandmother said, okay, everybody be quiet. She was reading a newspaper while all this talking was going on. And then she said, let me read this story about something that happened here in Madeira. She proceeded to read an account of a UFO encounter, and it was like reading the script of Close Encounters of the first, uh, the third kind, where they had the cop cars chasing around after UFOs. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that actually was based on what happened in Madeira. I looked and looked for, for that article that my great-grandmother read. I could not find it. Um, but she described basically that scene of these UFOs buzzing around this country town and uh, cops chasing it and all these people seeing this spectacle. And uh, then after reading this article, she dropped the newspaper and she said, when I was a young girl, I saw a UFO. And so this is my great-grandmother. Uh, this is the last thing that anybody would have expected coming out of her mouth. And then she proceeds to tell the story. Her older sister was 17 at the time. And so she was I mean, maybe a little younger. And they were out on the plains of Kentucky. They had neither of them seen a car before. So they had not seen a motorized vehicle. They lived way out in the middle of nowhere. Technology, I mean, it could have been an Amish community, you know, by today's standards. Hmm. Or even more so. Uh, but they saw this craft cruising along about 30 or 40 feet above the ground on the plains of Kentucky. And it just went right in front of them, broad daylight. She said it was this uh, cylindrical looking thing, uh, looked like shiny polished aluminum. She'd never seen anything like that before. Uh, it was amazing. And it had this glass bubble type thing on top. And she even saw the guy inside. And he turned and looked at him as he cruised by. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she said it flew over to these bluffs. It went off the edge of the bluffs, and then it just shot up into the sky and disappeared. When she and said a sky. Just, <laughs> yeah, they just like, <laughs> just disappeared in the blink of an eye. And they were tripping, so they went home and they told their mother. And now this woman, she once burned a deck of cards when she caught them playing cards in the house. So, you know. Wow. You had to be very careful about how you behaved in the house. It was a good and very respectable house, and only certain types of behavior would be tolerated. So when they both told her about what they saw, she took them aside and said, don't ever tell me this story again. Mm. In fact, keep it to yourself. Don't ever tell anybody anything about it. Just basically assume that they were making this up. And not long after that, my great-grandmother's sister died. I didn't even know my great-grandmother had a sister until going through some photos many years later. But um, So she just basically clammed up and kept this to herself for, I don't know, 60 years. And that night, reading that article in the newspaper, some dots got connected, and then it fired off that memory, and she was like, wait a minute. 
I remember, you know, and she, she said at the end of telling this story, she said, I don't care what people think. Those things are real. Right. And so here's a woman who believed with every fiber of her being, everything that's in the Bible to the letter. And she also believed that there was extraterrestrial life out there. She didn't bother to explain it or try to reconcile it or try to take the, you know, that reality and marry it up to the Bible and mm -hmm. let's make sense out of this. She didn't see the need. She just like, that's real. This is real. I'm good. Uh, so at five years old, I was astonished at everybody's faces in the house when she was telling the story. And I'm just like looking around like, why is everybody, you know, E.F. Hutton moment, you know? <laughs> and uh, and I was just all chatter on the way home asking my mom all these questions, you know, like, why was everybody acting like that? Grandma saw a UFO, you know? Is it, so they really are real. So it's like Star Trek. My mom's like, yeah, probably so, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, that was... I would say a foundational moment in my life. And then there were also some other things that happened in my youth that, you know, I'd seen ghosts. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had visions, um, all kinds of things happen uh, to me and around me uh, since my earliest youth. And um, I, I was reading <laughs> one of your books about that. And I was reading about your sister had experiences and was, you said she was like a magnet um, you she had was. you had some sort of sighting. Um, apparently, I did some research and heard you say you had a sighting in the army. Um, yes. So you have you have a, a significant amount of background related to the phenomenon. I think uh, just being open and and knowing that there's more mm -hmm. to this reality. Uh, uh, Nathan, don't be surprised if you see something before you know it, because yeah. When you have that splinter in the back of your mind, knowing that this this reality is but a thin veil away from so much more that we're not seeing, knowing that, I think, opens you up to be able to perceive it when it's around you. Um, I could tell you how many times I, you know, it happens to me all the time when I know that there's something around me hmm. that I can't see, but it's there. Um, spirits, uh, energies, I don't, I don't know. But but I can I know it's there, and I see things all the time out of the corner of my eye and stuff. Now now my wife she'll straight up see stuff. Mm. <laughs> she'll see people that look like flesh and blood people. She has before, and mm. she'll be like, "Do you see that guy there?" <laughs> Just to ask me, you know, <laughs> verify <laughs> this guy doesn't look quite right, you know. <laughs> and sometimes you know, it'll be like, "Yeah, he's real," <laughs> or yeah, no, you see somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's leave. So, Sweet. what's what's yeah. funny is the people who are listening are not going to be able to see this. But while you're talking, the light on your shoulder looks like you have a big cross. <laughs> like, cause oh, it's, I guess uh, it's the oh, it's okay. the other shoulder. Yeah, it's like there's a cross <laughs> because I think it's the window. And I'm like, that's such a weird coincidence. And it reminds me of that statue in South America of some mm. um, someone yeah. standing over Giant everybody. Statue. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's a weird So, yeah, uh, I've, I've always had uh, kind of a magnet to that kind of stuff, like my sister, I guess, just because I was fascinated up, you know, and then the army was, I guess, a pinnacle of that where I actually communicated with something, mm. this ball of flashing light. And the grand 
spectacle of that was that I happened to be with the guy that was tormenting me because I was, quote, weird, unquote. Hmm. They used to make fun of me all the time and taunt me, you know, because um, I, I like to talk about I, – I had this this habit of trying to get weird stories out of people. Like one of my opening questions was, what's the weirdest, craziest, most <laughs> unusual thing that has ever happened to you? Like, have you ever seen a ghost or anything? And um, one one evening we went out on this land nav exercise and, and we had to kill a couple of hours uh, sitting around a tree um, uh, waiting for it to get dark because uh, my platoon leader, he, he knew all of these different points that we had to find with the compass and the land navigation. And he's like, I don't want to go all over the place. Let's just chill out over here for a while and kill a couple of hours and then we'll go check in. So while we were sitting there, I'm like, this is kind of like a camping type scenario. It's everything's here except the fire, you know, hmm. a ghost story seems appropriate, <laughs> you know, it seems appropriate. One would think. So I, I look over at him and I said, Hey Stinger, you ever seen a ghost? And he was like, what, what, where? <laughs> he flipped out at first. You know? <laughs> it made him jump. And I'm like, no, I'm not seeing one. I'm asking you if you've ever seen one. And I guess everybody that was there, there's like four or five guys there, they just busted up and started laughing at my question. And I'm like, what's funny? It's just a stupid question. It's just like we're camping, right? You know, mm -hmm. have you ever seen a ghost? And from that point on, I got this label pasted on me, you know, and I couldn't get away from it. They, they always made fun of me. But it happened to be Stinger that was there with me uh, when I saw that glowing ball of light in the jungle. And I, I did my Captain Kirk, you know, hey, you know, I, I mean you no harm. We come in peace, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to this flashing ball of light in front of this guy, and he is losing his mind. So that was fantastic. Um, well, but, I, I yeah. have to say one of my favorite things about what you're providing. Oh, John, are you still there? I am. Okay. One of my favorite things is that um, your perspective is that the Bible itself is pr pretty much paranormal, that there's a lot of paranormal in the Bible. <clears throat> I was wondering if you could sort of summarize that perspective. Oh, wait. Something weird's going on with my camera. <laughs> I see that. I see it. You're having, you're having paranormal experiences with your camera That's right. right now. I don't know what's going on with it. It wants to pick up the camera over here at the computer and show you a profile. That's funny. I guess I'll you just could leave turn. it off. You could try it's turning. It's too distracting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so you were saying the, um, oh, my perspective is, is like, well, um, my mom did something early on because when I was five years old, I mean, I was always, since my great-grandmother said that and my sister used to tell all these stories about ghosts and this and that, I was always wanting to know more about these mysterious things. And my mom went and bought this set of encyclopedias from uh, Reader's Digest. Mm. Uh, Encyclopedia of the Paranormal was a series, like a 24-volume series. And I like read that series and memorized it. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know why, but it's it just something about all of the information in it. I just couldn't get enough of it. And um, so that's part of, you know, I had this like Fox Mulder 
brain, you know, and whenever somebody would say some weird thing about some story to me, I would be, I would have a collection of things like, you know, well, maybe that was, you know, this or this or this. Um, and that's why when I saw that glowing ball of light, I was like, well, swamp gas? No, it's not that. <laughs> no, ball lightning? No, it's not that, you know. Maybe it's a will-o'-the-wisp, you know. Uh, so I, I, that's how I always was. Um, but then when I w turned 21, I actually had a vision um, during one of the darkest times of my life um, after I got out of the Army and got into the party scene. And, uh, man, I, I was pretty messed up. And uh, during the darkest point of that, one night I had this dream that that some invisible person came to me in the dream and I wrote about that in in one of my books uh, and when I woke up from the dream I started recalling the dream I felt so relieved at the end of the dream because the dream took me through where I was which was some like compound with all these people around with guns and stuff and uh, then a helicopter came down took me out of there and helicopter started flying crazy, you know, doing flips, went through a tunnel, <laughs> just doing this crazy <laughs> stuff with me and a friend of mine in the back of the helicopter. And I and uh, we finally flew, did a flip over some power lines and then came up over this big field. And it was just endless fields of wheat and beautiful sunshine. And, and it was just gorgeous. And the scenery filled me up. I felt free. Mm -hmm. I felt like wow this is what living is about this is i felt all this weight lifted off of me and i felt peace and at that point i was like who in the world is flying this helicopter doing these crazy things flying through tunnels and flipping around power lines you know i lean forward and i see a dent in the chair and the seat and mm -hmm. i see the controls and the pedals and stuff moving around but the person made himself invisible and I sat back in the chair and I looked at my buddy and I'm like, the pilot's invisible. <laughs> How's he doing that? You know, and it was so bizarre. And the helicopter came back and it landed and the door opened. We both jumped out. And uh, then a voice said to my friend, no, you get back in. So he jumped back in. The door shut and, uh, and it flew off. And I noticed I was right back where I started. He dropped me off where I was at, but everybody was dead. Mm. There was dead bodies and blood everywhere in this compound. But the gate was open. So I decided, well, I think I'm just going to quietly leave. Mm. And I walked away. And as I was walking out of the compound, I felt all this weight lift off of me like I was finally free. And then I woke up in that state like feeling just so relieved you know and i felt like i started rewinding the dream in my mind uh remembering it and it just like hit me with a blast all of these images and stuff and the dream came back and i'm mm. like oh that's what that was and then when i came to the part about the helicopter i i started thinking about who was flying that how who was that pilot i think i actually said the question out loud just thinking about it mm. And I heard the name Jesus audibly in my ear. So he just like straight up walked up to me in my room and answered in my ear, like a few inches away from my ear. <laughs> I mean, I heard him. Wow. And this chills just shot down my body. And like, all I can explain is like this love just poured over me. 
and all of this addiction and everything that I was dealing with at that time just like washed away. Mm. And uh, I was amazed. I, I couldn't believe it. And I felt Jesus in my room like he was standing right there. And I fell out of my bed and I started crying and I'm like, how could you come to me? You know, I mean, I thought I knew him. I would have told you I was a Christian, but I didn't know him like that. Mm. You know, uh, I didn't experience him like that. So it was then that I just started doing like an Ebenezer Scrooge moment, you know, like, uh, you know, calling all my friends. Hey, come get your stuff or I'm going to throw it away, mm. you know, um, tearing things off of my walls, throwing stuff away left and right. And everybody saw this radical overnight change. And they, they thought I was putting on an act at first. And I'm like, no, dude, you know, God came to me in a, in a helicopter. You know, I, I can't explain it. It's just un unbelievable. I guess he chose that medium because I was in the army before. So, um, and that's when I was like, well, what does a Christian do? You know, uh, I, Christians, they pray, they go to church, they read the Bible, you know. So I, I picked a church and just started going. And I started reading the Bible uh, on that day. And I started in Genesis chapter 1, and I got up to chapter 6 of Genesis. And suddenly this light bulb started firing off, and I'm like, wait a second. You're telling me angels mated with human beings and had children that were, that's where these giants came from? Right. I always heard the story about David and Goliath, but I never really put any thought into, you know, where did this giant come from? And God destroyed the world because of these beings that were unnaturally large, uh, had six fingers and six toes. And they were sired from angels. So angels had to be physical or they could become physical. And I'm like, I know what this is, you know. <laughs> and, and I started reading the Bible and everything that I thought that I knew from a paranormal, you know, understanding was finally connecting dots with everything in the Bible that I was reading. And I'm like writing all these notes and just seeing the Bible in this new light that I'd never seen before. And I'd always, I, I had a library of paranormal books at that time, but I didn't have the Bible. And I'm like, this is the most paranormal book I know. <laughs> and uh, that, and that's why um, I, I wrote half of the book in like three nights, just uh, over a weekend uh, in a hotel room. I went on a, a TDY that my job used to send me places all the time and I had all these notes and so I'm like well let me just start typing these notes out before I knew it I had like 200 pages and I'm like you know this is a book all I have to do is just do what I used to do with essays and expand it put some organization on it and finish it so mostly in one weekend I finished that book uh, aliens in the bible mm. and uh it covers supernatural entities, realms of existence, and phenomenon. So Aliens is part of that book, obviously. The, uh, but I also talk about ghosts and all kinds of other paranormal stuff. And that's, That book was basically where I just wrote notes as I was reading the Bible and was like crossing, you know, cross-referencing, well, I think this might be this. I think this might be that. And there was a lot of areas where 
I found things that, you know, Christians, they just tend to put a label on stuff, you know. It's, it's demonic. It's all demonic. It's just demonic, you know. Very simplistic thinking. And, heck, you know, ghosts, ghosts could be a variation in, in the time-space continuum, you know. Maybe you're not seeing a, a disincarnate spirit. Maybe you're actually seeing through the fabric of time-space and witnessing something appearing in the past. Uh, maybe you're touching an object that has energy on it that was put onto that object from somebody when they were looking at something and they had so much emotional response to what they were looking at or experiencing, they leaked all of this energy into an object. And that energy contained actual audio and visual information. And under the right circumstances, if you were touching that object or in that place, that energy, your brain can interpret it. And then therefore you're seeing something that happened in the past and you're hearing it. And it's not a person that's there anymore. It's energy that an experiencer left behind. The Bible even has examples of things like that. You know, um, the rocks as a witness. Uh, you know, when the Israelites cross the river, they're like, these rocks will be a witness. And now science is saying that sounds can actually be recorded in objects mm -hmm. and resonate in there for, for many years. And with the right technology, you could extract it. Uh, we even have haunting activity of like, there was a, a building they went into and there were people that did recordings and they could hear like billiards, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't know that that used to be a pool hall years ago. So it just raises these questions. Well, what are these sounds then? Is it a ghost sound? No, it's energy. It actually impregnated the walls, you know, and, and our science is getting to the point where we can actually understand some of those things. And we don't have to put a demonic label on it. We've got to try to understand it, you know? And I do so, appreciate that was a big part of what you do. You ask the questions like, could it be, you know, so for instance, for extraterrestrial um, beings, you know, you had questions like, could it be, you know, an angel or could it be a demon or, you know, so like you, you offered those ideas out to make people think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm hesitant to say it is definitely this. Uh, I would much rather like go through my little catalog of different possibilities. You know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But in some cases, uh, when I see a lot of different things lining up and then pointing to a particular conclusion, um, that's when I might say, well, I think it might be this because of you know, and that's why I came up with the, the title of the book was um, Aliens and the Antichrist, because the more I studied extraterrestrial activities and, and things in the ancient past, the ancient astronaut angle of that, what they did with the Nephilim and all that, um, the more I saw how it was connecting with things that are going to happen in the future and eschatology, mm. um, end times prophecy. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of the, the, the Nephilim activity. I mean, these were fallen angels trying to take over the world uh, by what they were doing. And they invaded this planet and were corrupting the human seed. I mean, this is all about God, 
you know, Satan's war against God. He wanted to destroy what God was doing on this earth. It was a reason why the giants had populated Canaan. They knew that that was the promised land, that that's where God had destined, you know, his temple to be. And so what do they do? They go there and they consolidate there in mass to try to create a stronghold to keep the promised land occupied by enemy, prevent the Israelites from coming in there. You know, everything in the Bible actually is about the war of God, uh, Satan against God, and what God did in response to it. And what we see in extraterrestrial phenomenon is the same war played out. But I think what what where a lot of people are incorrect is that they only see the demonic side of it. Uh, they don't see that a chunk of those angels are good, right? That this war is against good angels and evil angels, not just evil angels wanting to destroy our world. You know, there's good angels there too. Uh, I believe it's Revelation 14.6 talks about an angel flying in the heavens proclaiming the gospel to the inhabitants of the earth. Well, what's that look like? Um, I think it might very well be like an extraterrestrial presence there in the end times. Um, we may or may not see the, the spacecraft uh, whenever an angel shows up, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of angels do use spacecraft. Uh, that big column that floated above the Israelites, you know, the uh, parting of the Red Sea could have been anti-gravity technology. Obviously, I don't think it was wind. I don't think that was wind. Uh, if it's wind enough to blow an ocean and split it in half, uh, what would it do to people? You know, obviously something, what was a force field there of some sort that was doing that to the water? And, and it, it floated above the, the Israelites for 40 years, feeding them. So hmm. the, the thing yeah. that people get confused with is that, you know, God uses angels. God doesn't just come in and do everything himself with the snap of his finger like, like it's magic, right? He appoints angels to do things. So God can speak things into being. You know, like he did this reality, but I think by and large he likes to operate through the reality that he created. Um, he uses nature, he uses people, and he uses angels. And if those angels happen to use technology, he's fine with it. So a lot of these miracles we see in the Bible could be angels using technology. And these astronaut, ancient astronaut theorists, that's where they go wrong. Because they see technology associated with another worldly being, and they automatically demote God. Oh, well then, you know, God's not really what the Bible says. It's just mistaken identity. They're intelligent beings from outer space or whatever. You know, they're just so advanced beyond us, we call them God and we worship them. That's their conclusion. My conclusion is um, they are what they look like. They are extraterrestrials, but they are also angels. And there really is a God, and he created them, and he's actually working through them. But he's still God. He's still all-powerful. Just because he, he appoints angels to take care of us and do things doesn't mean God isn't God. Doesn't mean that Jesus isn't Jesus. You know, right. he's still so, God. 
Right. And I have to say that it is something I have thought of before, of course, that used to limit God. Um, it doesn't seem to me that there should be a contradiction between ufology and religion personally. I believe that there's a lot of room for both. And again, who can limit God? But Nathan, I wanted you to get a chance to chime in because you've been pretty quiet other than, of course, <laughs> I'm just taking it all in. It's good. I know. Good I, wanted, <laughs> I know you've been down this path. Also, this is something you've considered. Um, of course, I know you've you know done some work with the Bible. What what are your thoughts? I want you to chime in on that. Yeah. So, John, I mean, really interesting take, and uh, I think um, what I what I really appreciate you saying is the way in which you're looking at the text with that kind of fresh perspective. Um, you know, I think people, most people who are in any way familiar with the Bible. Uh, you know, kind of take a position that it's uh, the way that they understand it is basically just the way it's always been understood uh, and not understanding that, you know, the Bible has been uh, interpreted and and uh, understood in many different ways over over time. And your perspective, I think, illustrates that it's, you know, it's taking the text and it's really, you know, looking at it through a whole different set of lenses, which to me is very refreshing, um, particularly in light of the topic of UFOs. You know, for me, the Bible, I, I do think really illustrates that, you know, humanity has been uh, struggling and, and, and uh, maybe struggling isn't the right word, wrestling perhaps uh, with these otherworldly, you know, sort of experiences since recorded history. Um, and I wonder, you know, from your experience with it and, and the journey that, that you've been on uh, with, with the Bible itself, you know, what what's your take on kind of the the sort of metaphorical aspects of the Bible and also the literal interpretation of it? Because, uh, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with that, you know, sort of uh, debate. Yeah. Um, some people will take a passage and they'll say this, it literally is what, what it says. And some people will say, well, no, that that's an allegory. And you know, if you yep. read it in the time it was written, it's really meant something totally different. So what, what's your take on that? My take is each scripture should be taken within, the, within uh, should be studied as its own unique uh, perspective in terms of you're not going to take books written hundreds of years apart by different authors. The Bible is written by 40 different people for starters. Mm -hmm. You don't look at every single book exactly the same. Right. Some people have more of a metaphorical lens the way they write. Uh, John, for example, in Revelation, very, very metaphorical. Uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't things in there that are actually literal. Right. Uh, he saw Satan drag a third of the stars, the tail of Satan drag a third of the stars in the sky. So star, Everybody would pretty much agree, yeah, these are angels. You know, Satan led a rebellion against God. He had all these angels, right? So, stars, it is a symbol. Uh, stars is used as the symbol, I believe, for a very literal reason. Uh, mm -hmm. The word shamim in Hebrew means heavens. It's a plural word. Mm -hmm. uh, it's first defined in Genesis 114 the heavens, the abode of the sun and the moon and the stars. Same word used there is the word where the abode of the angels is. The Bible literally tells you stars live, or angels live among the stars. And you're reading the actual Hebrew. 
So when Satan drags a third of the stars and throws them down to the earth, uh, that the rebellion that he started in the heavens, actually he started his rebellion here, believe it or not, on earth, because the same garden, it's re mentioned in Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. He started in the garden of God, then he ascended to the heights of heaven with his angelic entourage and his attack against God and the minions of the heavens. It was like literally Star Wars uh, in these angelic battles. He was defeated, and then he was confined back down on Earth. And in the end times, there's still battles going on out there. Star Wars, I think it's actually a lot realer than people realize. The, the movie Star Wars. <laughs> there is a Star Wars going on. Um, there are beings out there that are like the Jedi, that, that have power like supernatural type power but they also use technology so very real in terms of the way they mirror both those realities together and i think that's what we're looking at in reality hmm. and in reality that war is coming to a head here on earth this is the proxy earth is the proxy between satan and god and this used to be satan's kingdom here on this planet and he had angels here, an angelic civilization here, a long time ago, before even humanity. That's why the war is being fought here. That's why Jesus came to this planet to put an end to the rebellion on this planet, using humans to do it, and keep, as a human. I keep thinking about the Nuremberg carving, and you know, the fight that they saw, hunt, like with different objects in the sky fighting each other. Yes. And uh -huh. then of, of course, we know there's been so many examples. The Vatican's holding a whole bunch of them in their files, three of like mm -hmm. shields and chariots. Things have been seen. Um, yeah, shields I, uh, was seen by Alexander the Great, these flying right. shields that came and dissolved the right. walls. And, yeah. And I, I'm also thinking about Prometheus from mythology. Um, he did the same thing. You know, he was... He was disobeying Zeus, uh, according to the mythology, and he was cast down, and he did it because he was interfering with humans, like he was in trouble. So I yeah. wonder if there's a par like the parallel story between him, that and Lucifer and all that. And it Satan. is the same story. It's yeah. different versions of the same story. You see it in the Book of Enoch in particular. Uh, it's like on the nose, it tells you about it and it even gives you the names of those fallen angels that mm -hmm. were leading the procession uh azazel i believe might have been lucifer um so you you read about these things and you see them in history you see them all over the world and ancient astronaut theorists they're all pointing at these things and i'm like yes yes you're right on the money all the way up until you get to your grand conclusion and your grand conclusion is god isn't who he said he is you know, that's the difference between the Bible and all of these other religions, the, the Hebrews, the ancient Hebrews. How many times I actually calculated it? How many times did, did God say, I am the Lord? There's no other. I'm the one. I am the one. He keeps repeating that to them, you know, and then they, what do they do? They keep going off after all these old idols and, and things. Well, idolatry was the stronghold for them because they actually saw these beings, you know, they had giants there that exhibited these powers they were you know awestruck you know they were the hollywood celebrities of their day so you know they followed they made idols after them they they worshiped them and that's where we get all of our greek legends and things like that 
Um, but, you know, Epic of Gilgamesh, that's another one, you know, Sumerian legend. Uh, that's uh, Hebrews, or that's that's uh, Genesis chapter 11. Gilgamesh, he was Nimrod. And he was, you know, according to the epic, he was uh, uh, two-thirds Nephilim. So, you know, his mother was was uh, straight up, you know, Nephilim. And it actually, he said his mother was two-thirds God or something like that. And actually the epic. So you don't read that in the Bible. In the Bible you read in Genesis 6 that the Nephilim were men of renown. But apparently there were probably quite a few Nephilim that they might have even been regular sized people. But they had power, supernatural power or abilities. And they and no were worshipped wings. as gods. I, yes, and, and no, no wings. No wings. Ah. <laughs> well, the later edition. Yes. Well, John, I'm curious about your, uh, about your cosmology. Like, if there are... You know, we hear stories about different races of beings and things. Do you think they're all just sort of variations of angelic entities? Or do you think that there are other civilizations in our universe that are, are part of that sort of redemptive story as well? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I honestly do believe that um, that there's other planets out there with other civilizations just like Adam and Eve, and they didn't sin. And then they became really advanced, and they developed technology to be able to fly to other planets. They're glorified, and some of them. The way I believe the Bible describes humanity is that God's original creation was for us was like, we're like these butterflies. Um, that we live for like about a thousand years or so, and then we go through this metamorphosis, metamorphosis where we transfigure into this glorified state. And we won't need to eat from the tree of life anymore. Adam and Eve wouldn't have had to eat from the tree of life anymore. And we know this because we can see what our destiny is going to be in the future. The Bible tells us what we're going to be like after we're translated and resurrected from the dead. So God is still going to do what he originally designed us to be. We're still going to be that. Uh, it's just that we're going through this process right now of uh, redemption. Because, you know, we fell. He came in. He offered a fix. Those of us who want to accept the fix, we accept it, and then we can get back to where we, we left off. Uh, I kind of cover that whole idea of other worlds out there in, in uh, my book, The Dark World Paradox. Um, oh, my camera's messed up again. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> there's it's, it's about a... a um, a guy who crashes his airplane on a search and rescue mission into a lady who's coming to help somebody out here on earth. She comes from another world of glorified beings there. She hasn't reached the age of immortality yet. Uh, so she's still kind of considered an adolescent, 800 something years old. Um, and so when she comes here to earth, it's a big risk because this is a quarantined world. That's why the, the story is called the dark world paradox. Because you see all of these examples of extreme light in such a dark world uh, where we, we are battling, you know, the forces of evil with our day-to-day -day decisions, you know. And she didn't have to deal with sin or death on her world. But she comes here to help, help, uh, help this Bigfoot uh, who sent a prayer out, you know. And uh, then she ends up just bungling things up and <laughs> she gets stuck here. Uh, is is how the story ends up um, but the idea is that on her world 
there was this rebellious being that came there and offered them, you know, hey, you should join me and, and my way of thinking. We're going to make things right in the universe. And they said, no, take a hike. Mm -hmm. And they kicked them off their world. And then they just continued to, you know, develop and be this advanced civilization. And, you know, um, so that, that whole idea, I think that that is very much the case. There are glorified worlds out there, probably two thirds of the stars, just like uh, in Revelation where, where it talks about Satan dragged a third of the stars. Well, those are the ones who decided to rebel with him. And with that rebellion came a fracturing of our universe where God split it up into these different dimensions and we're dimensionally quarantined from each other. So, for example, if you were to go to a glorified world where God's presence is, you know, sustained, it probably wouldn't look the same to us because we wouldn't be in that dimension. Um, but in a higher dimension, there would be glorified beings living there. Um, and Earth itself, the Bible describes Earth as a multidimensional construct. You know, hell is in the heart of the Earth. Well, with our science now, we know that there's lava and magnum down in the Earth. But no, actually, hell is literally inside the Earth. Earth is a smaller planet in a lower dimension. And there are beings down there. And it's a civilization very much like this one, a physical civilization, uh, a very bad place. Um, the movie Constantine, they kind of like, show that an example of that you know and like some of our movies i think they're kind of prophetic they show some of these things hmm. uh, but earth inside is a bad place that's going on down there and likewise in our sky there's another lithosphere up there in a higher dimension and that would be considered the first heaven so literally in our sky is a glorified realm if we were in a higher realm but even on this planet in that glorified realm satan is actually a ruler there. He doesn't control the entire planet. If you actually consult some of the um, Jewish literature, uh, you will find that uh, the Archangel Michael is considered a guardian and protector of Israel. Uh, so you actually have angelic beings that are in ruling authorities over regions uh, of the earth in that higher realm. But Satan actually, he has a lot of control and a lot of power over a lot of this planet. Uh, and what you see going on down here in our realm uh, is a mirror reflection of what's going on in the realms above us directly. So when powers change over uh, above us, then that ends up filtering down into this realm. You see an example of that in Daniel uh, where um, the Archangel Gabriel comes to give a message to Daniel and he gets detained by uh, by Satan, by the prince of Persia, he said. So Persia wasn't in power at that time. Uh, but there's this angelic being that resides in an area above where Daniel was at, Babylon, and detained that angel uh, before for 21 days before he, he could actually come down into this dimension and, and speak with Daniel and give him his vision, one of the most important visions in the Old Testament. Um, and so that detainment, I'm, I'm like reading this and I'm thinking, well, you know, you can see it. You can clearly see it right here in this passage of scripture where it's, you see the multidimensional earth. Uh, you got this glorified being, he's flying to the earth. So he's going to first encounter the glorified planet and he's going to have to go through that realm first. Uh, 
to penetrate and then come down to our dimension, uh, which is like a Middle Earth. I don't think J.R.R. Tolkien used the term Middle Earth for just any old reason. I think he might have had a concept of this as well. Uh, and in that higher realm, he was actually detained because the Prince of Persia, this fallen angel, was actually controlling the realm above him in the first heaven. Uh, and then he penetrated and came down here, gave his vision to Michael. And then he even said that he was going to have to fight that angel when he left. Hmm. So there you go. There's your picture. That's why angels have to go up. That's why heaven is associated with up, because it's literally, you got to travel physically up. When Jesus left this earth, he traveled physically up. He didn't just disappear in front of everyone. He floated up into a cloud. So... You actually have the direction of up associated with the heavens. You have the stars in outer space associated with the heavens. Heaven is literally out there, and it's in our universe. The universe itself is a multidimensional construct. It, and our, our science is seeing this, M theory, string theory. You know, we, we, we know from our mathematics that there's not enough energy to account for everything that we have. The numbers are not adding up. That's why they say that they know mathematically, they know there has to be more uh, to this dimension than we're actually seeing with our eyes. And uh, that there's a multi-dimension to it. And they've actually done the math on it. And it's, you know, 11 dimensions, according to M-theory. Um, but I think that the dimensionality aspect of our universe probably started with the fall. Hmm. Um, when Lucifer rebelled, God had to quarantine quarantine his glorified creation and keep these fallen rebellion rebellious angels out so he fractured the universe he split it up into these different dimensions and the beings that are aligned with god are in his dimension and they they can come and go to his planet where he's got his throne set up i believe the Bible is very clear that it talks about God's throne being on a planet. Uh, it's described as a physical place. Um, this is where I differ with a lot of Christians because they, they think of heaven as this dream. They think of it as a non-corporeal existence. Uh, but if that were true, how can you bring a non-physical place to a physical place? Revelation, the end of Revelation actually shows New Jerusalem is going to be transported to this planet. That means it has to be on a planet. First, it's a physical place, and it, it's on a glorified planet in the northern hemisphere. The Bible even tells you where it's at, what direction it's in. So all of these things are are just there, you know, uh, and, but people read it, and they're like, they like to say, you know, no, that's symbolic. Uh, some of it is, but it's actually a lot more literal, I think, than people realize. Hmm. Um and the Bible's a prism. It's layers. It's mm -hmm. symbolic and it's literal. John, what's your take on the, the sort of current events that are going on with uh, UFOs, the U.S. government? You know, it, what, what, what's your perspective on that? We're very close. <laughs> We're very close. Um, I've always felt like I was on the edge of a cliff. And um, to see the Navy come out, uh, that's why I wrote Christian UFOlogy because I, I thought it was done. You know, Aliens and the Antichrist was my definitive work. I thought it was done. And then I read um, Joel, uh, 
what was his name? The guy that wrote um, the Islamic Antichrist. Um, he he wrote a book, and I read that book, and I'm like, wow, there's an Islamic piece to this. Hmm. Uh, and then I actually read the Hadiths and the Quran and all of these things. I, I see this part in there about Muhammad actually having heart surgery from supposedly the Archangel Gabriel, and I'd never heard that before. You know, no one ever told me this. This is not a symbolic. The way it's written is not symbolic. People were kids were screaming because they saw this angel cutting his chest open. And when they came back, he had stitches on his chest. This was written in the 6th century. They didn't have heart surgery. You know, people yeah. pulling out. <laughs> and, There's actually and a, a number <laughs> of uh, religions that started um, based on what seemed to be UFO encounters. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. just thought I'd Definitely. throw that in there. Yeah, so that's why I researched all of that and found that piece, and then I wrote, you know, The Strong Delusion after that, and then I thought I was done. Uh, but then I've seen this stuff, to, you know, 2020 comes, and, you know, I was in the Air National Guard. Uh, so after I got out of the Army, I went in the Air National Guard and uh, retired just last year. I was chief of uh, cyber operations for the Western Air Defense Sector. Um. And after I got out of that, um, well, 2020 was my, was like just the craziest year. I had not seen a year like that in all 25 years of being in the guard. Uh, pandemic, riots, you know, just craziness, you know. And in the middle of all of this, on the night news, you know, <laughs> they're like, oh, the, the Navy released these new videos, and, you know, and. You know, and I'm like, what? It, the military is always the ones covering stuff up, making up these stupid excuses. Now they're saying they don't know what it is. They're actually admitting they don't know what it is. And I don't think the Air Force and the Army are on the same sheet of music with the Navy, but the Navy just stepped up and did it. Uh, so now they're kind of in a situation where they kind of have to go along. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Congress got involved and they're talking about it more than the news is saying. Um, Marco Rubio even said he hopes they're ETs because if they're not, we're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we know China's ahead of us on some things, but that far? <laughs> uh, totally taking the laws of physics and flipping it on its head. You don't take a submarine going several hundred miles an hour, blasting out of the ocean and then disappearing into the night sky at what Mach 10 uh, something uh, at a propulsion rate that obviously proves they have mastered gravity they are not affected by inertia gravity is nothing which means they could travel through time space they can literally open up portals and travel from one end of the galaxy to the other uh, if they can do that um, if our technology is that advanced, then why are we still flying F-35s and F-22s? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, why would, yeah. <laughs> why would any government waste money on those? Mm -hmm. you know? I'm going to chime in also, um, since you did have experience with the Army, it was fun sort of looking at the Army PDFs that are available. Um, if you can find them in the Army reading room, 
on UFOs because they spent most of their time trying to verify they're not foreign technology, and which is basically the same boat we're still in. We're still working on saying this is not foreign technology. But the PDFs really emphasize, emphasize that in the, the 40s. You know, so it's uh, when this all became pretty pervasive. They were dealing with the Kenneth Arnold sightings, the Roswell accusations, and the army diligently went to verify. Um, so I don't know if you've seen those. It's really interesting. Um, I, I have read some stuff. Um, shoot, there was a, a manual, Janet manual, that basically sort of skirted around the UFO issue. Um, and I think that that was even used by the airline industry um, for a while. And they're like, well, if you see this, you know, well, we're going to use this language to talk about it, you know. Um, but it was kind of interesting that it was there um, until it kind of got out in one of those shows. And then suddenly it, all traces of that document disappeared off the Internet. So they probably got their best hackers on it to track down every copy of it and wipe mm -hmm. it out. Um, but now, I mean, it's gotten to the point that they can't really suppress it anymore. So one of the, I, I speculate a little bit in the beginning of uh, Christian Ufology, that book, that obviously some things have changed in the landscape here. Um, the military is singing a different tune. They're not denying it anymore. They're actually letting these things out. And the fact that the military is releasing it um, shows you that um, some things that would really that not too long ago they would have thought would have create, created mass panic because they are saying that they cannot protect us they're straight up admitting that by releasing this um, they said what's out there is it literally dwarfs our technology they're running circles literally running circles around our planes you know our jets they're up there flying Mach 10 and something flies up and buzzes around the wing and then takes off, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> flying sideways at weird angles, you know, <laughs> right. just showing us, you know, hey, we're, we're playing hopscotch around your, you know, $15 billion aircraft like you're a joke. Um, and the fact that they're admitting this openly and it's not creating a stir means, again, we're very close. Um, and I did some speculating that um, why would they do that? Um, I'm thinking maybe they've come to the conclusion, maybe these UFOs are upping their game and they're thinking we can't hide this anymore. Too many people running around with cell phones, too many shows. Uh, the show Ancient Aliens, uh, that's been on for some years. People are getting kind of used to the idea. Uh, Harry Reid. Uh, senator now he's he's retired but i mean he was pushing and pushing and pushing and the sad thing about him is he's like oh you christians just need to shut up and accept reality and um, i think that in the pentagon and in the government circles that there's this clash between people that have a christian worldview and then people like harry reed and they wow. don't understand that you can believe both and that's what's driving me nuts I actually mailed my book uh, to Harry Reid and, and to some other people um, hoping to, you know, get an audience with them and just let them know that 
you, you don't have to believe in one thing or another. Uh, I, I reconciled them. They might not like my conclusion, though. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Senator Harry Reid will not be able to do that at this time because he did pass oh. away. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that, unfortunately... You know, Marco you Rubio, might... though, I, I did mail him a copy. Um, I didn't hear anything from him, though. And then right. I mailed a copy to Devin Nunes, my, my representative, and hmm. then he, he retired, you know, uh, stepped out. So it's one of those things that, you know, I, I just wish more people understood. And I have heard about the mayhem in the Pentagon between Christians, mm -hmm. you know, that people that they're like, no, this can't be real. They're just like grappling with reality and they, they, they can't deal with it when they yeah. see the evidence that they cannot refute. I have a hard yeah. time with that because I just, again, I don't understand limiting God's ability personally like what whatever you think god is how do we say that it's limited to one planet one group you know it's so egotistical really ultimately that's the problem mm -hmm. we have this this ego related to humans and it's just so ridiculous well <laughs> and i think it comes from that god created us in his image so we're the apple of his eye and and therefore nothing can be higher than us but there's other scriptures like jesus jesus was made a little lower than the angels so we're lower than the angels and the more that you read about these things you understand that here on earth we are given dominion so if there's angels here coming here to this earth there's that scripture that says we will one day judge angels well yeah when they're in our jurisdiction we will uh one day we will judge angels when they're in our jurisdiction but if we go to their worlds then they will probably judge us just like we have on our planet you know um you go over to some other country, you're under their jurisdiction. You have to follow their rules. Right. Uh, if they come here, then they follow our rules. It doesn't mean that we're like going to be so beyond the angels. You know, uh, I think that we'll be like the angels. Jesus said we will be like the angels. You know, well, and, and, and that's the angels existing at all, like lends credence to the fact that there are other beings besides humans as exactly. Like, so that alone, every religion we have describes other beings besides humans, every single one that I know of. So, um, before we um, go into any other um, intellectual debates, I want to be mindful of time. So, I really would like to get to a couple questions that we got from people because I, I do ask people on Twitter if they have questions for guests. Um, one of them was. Um, from a person named Chi, um, they said, as a Christian, are we being deceived by these entities? I've been shown the earth from out in space and shown the future of an ap apocalypse. How do I know this isn't the devil or demons just twisting the truth and making me believe what they want me to see? It's confusing. Well, I think that's straightforward. Um, the Bible already tells us there's going to be an apocalypse. So you know that that part's true. Um, my my advice would be the 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 Bible is your foundation. You know that's where you start. That's where I started. And as I was reading the Bible and connecting the dots, I'm not going to do what these ancient astronaut theorists do and say no, God is not God. You know, uh, I 
God came to me in a vision. Jesus spoke his name in my ear. I know he's real more than I know anything else, more than I know reality when I wake up in the morning. I know Jesus is real. So that is my foundation. God is real. And when I started reading the Bible, I came to it, uh, you know, approached the Bible saying, you know what, whatever it is I believe, the Bible's going to take the forefront. And then I'll see if I can try to understand the Bible and, and reconcile. But if there's a straight up contradiction, the Bible's going to win. Uh, but in most cases, there isn't a contradiction. In fact, there's just a few things that need to be ironed out. Uh, for example, I believe the Earth is actually 5 billion years old or whatever. But at the same time, I don't believe in evolution. So I, I used to believe evolution maybe part have some truth to it until I had my experience with Jesus. And then I'm like, well, you know, I, I believe what's in the Bible. Uh, this whole doctrine of evolution has fueled so many evil things in this world, starting with Hitler. I mean, there's your prime example. His whole master race theology was based on evolution. He admits it uh, in his writings. And it's, it's clearly evident. And evolution tries to pretend to be scientific, but the more you find out about it, the more <laughs> you find out, oh, if we found this piece of a jaw over here, a half a mile over that, we've, we found a little piece of a leg bone, and we cobble these bones together and call it scientific. Um, there's just been a lot of examples of like where evolution just totally missed the mark. Uh, and those things are overlooked. But at the same time, I think that there's something to be understood uh, from science, uh, a lot to be understood from science. God gave us reasoning and intellectual capacity to be able to question things and, and, and to not just oversimplify and set things aside when we don't understand them. I would rather have something not be fully understood and set it aside and leave it understood rather than slap a label on it, call it demonic, and just say it's, it's all wrong. Okay, so for the for cheese answer, you're basically saying just be open-minded and don't just call it a demon. I would say that, yeah. It, okay. Judge it by its fruit. So far, they've showed her an apocalypse. The Bible says that there's going to be an apocalypse. Uh, that's not a lie. Uh, just be aware, Satan's best lies are mostly true. Uh, that's why I believe this deception that is coming our way. Um, it's going to be mostly true. ETs are real. They're really out there. A lot of what these ancient astronaut people are proposing on the ancient astronaut show is it's real information and it's true. It's just they saved the lie for the very tail end. And that guy, the wild haired guy, every <laughs> single episode, he's always reiterating that lie that, that they're not God, uh, that it was a mistake. That the God of the Bible is 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 an extraterrestrial or a race of extraterrestrials. He always feels so compelled to to emphasize that what he considers his master truth out of all of this research, which is true. You can't deny these ancient paintings and and cave art and and all of this influence, otherworldly influence from from ancient times. It's all there, uh, but their grand conclusion is wrong. So sometimes lies are like that. Uh, well, but, let's just yeah, argue maybe. semantics for a minute. Let's just argue <laughs> semantics. God's okay. not a, God's not a human, and you've already said he lives on another planet. That's where heaven God is, is a human. Jesus. No, no, <laughs> he's, he's an anthropos. Mm. He is the son of man. 
I don't so think he became God human. Is human. I don't think God is human. It's it's very different. Uh, so I'm not saying he wouldn't look like a human necessarily. Well, but... he's if you follow what the Bible says, is the Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father resides outside time space. No one has seen the Father except for Jesus, because he exists outside time space. Heaven and earth, the multi-dimensional construct of all creation exists within a time-space continuum. That is where all the angels live. That is where earth is. That is where the heavens is. And that is where Jesus is king. And we can see the Father by seeing Jesus. And, and he said that. So he became human. That was God's way of entering into this dimension and interacting with us and interacting with this dimension as okay. king. Because God's not human. The Father? Yeah, exactly. The Father That's... is beyond human, but mm -hmm. Jesus is human. Yes. And in but... fact, if you understand kenosis, when he was here, he actually stripped himself of all of his divine power. Uh, it even says that in Philippians, that right. Jesus, when he was here, completely depended on angels mm -hmm. and God's power for every miracle that he did and everything that happened to him. Right. So then you could take that and actually add what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Some of his miracles could have even been technology stealthily deployed by angels that we couldn't even see. Right. Now you take something crazy like that and then you put it in the hands of an ancient astronaut person, they're definitely going to say, well, then Jesus was just an alien. He wasn't who he said he was. But no, that's not true. Jesus was very much who he said he was. He was a mystery to the angels. I, Jesus I guess, was the king of kings. Yeah, I think it depends. There is the interpretation, the Christian interpretation, that Jesus is God and God is Jesus. But I'm saying specifically the Father in the Trinity is, as you said, not on earth. Therefore, the semantics is he could be technically extraterrestrial <laughs> well you sure sure i i even said jesus could be extraterrestrial in in a sense mm -hmm. um, because jesus probably does travel to different planets all over the the solar system you know all over the universe um ezekiel 28 said lucifer used to do that he used to uh walk amidst the stones of fire uh until he sinned and then he was cast from amongst the stones of fire. Well, what are these stones of fire? They're probably solar systems. What? They're not like glowing rocks, you know. Uh, he is an archangel of unfathomable power. He controlled this entire cosmos, uh, this, this entire solar system. Earth was, was where his throne was, but there were probably multiple planets here. He probably had civilization on mars maybe venus maybe saturn or were the angels living there and he was in charge of all of this entire solar system and then god destroyed it and there's even evidence of that cataclysm um in the asteroid belt and there's evidence of that uh ancient civilization possibly the moon the moon might be actually i wouldn't say man-made but i would say it could be artificial uh, there have been documentaries about the moon. It would make sense that it is, um, following what I'm talking about, that 
these beings were so powerful and so advanced that they built something like the moon. Uh, and there's so many oddities about the moon, I could go on and on, but uh, uh, just read about its rotation, read about the, the fact that the moon is the same size as the sun when, you know, the, the, the able to create an eclipse is such an anomaly on this planet. It's unbelievable. The fact that the moon's rotation completely matches the speed uh, at which it circles the earth so that we only ever see one side of the moon and that the other side, the dark side of the moon is permanently dark to us. There's no other example of that in the cosmos. So there's interesting things about our cosmos, about the moon, about the fact that Mars looks like it used to have life on it, but it got wiped out. Um, and the Bible talks about these things. And I, I mentioned that stuff in, in uh, Aliens in the Bible, uh, some of that about the civilization on Mars and stuff. Um, all of that actually lines up with an ancient angelic kingdom that used to be here on Earth, and God wiped it out. Uh, and now we're starting to see all of these things come full circle. And uh, kind of goes back to, you know, the, the Navy releasing this stuff. And Jesus said in the end times, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And what happened in the days of Noah? Why did he pick out that one time in all of history to single out that the end times would be like? The days of Noah, you had other beings coming into this earth, intermingling with the affairs of humanity, and in crossbreeding with us and having these Nephilim. That's what you had in the days of Noah that makes it unique and different than any other time in history. And Jesus said, we're going to see a return of that. Okay. So I do... I want to get in um, one more audience question um, before we end up wrapping. And I know Nathan may have a couple more questions, so I want to make sure we get to that. Um, the other question was from a friend of the Calling All Beings group uh, that we're a part of. Um, and, it, and it's David John Lanier. Um, I had the question about abductions from a Christian perspective. Um, he stated that some Christians have made statements about abductions being possibly um, demonic possessions rather than actual physical abductions or something like that along those lines. And he, I guess he just wanted clarity on, and maybe you can chime in on this also, Nathan, what yeah. is the Christian perspective of an abduction? Because there's a lot of people talking about those. Yeah. So uh, you'll know them by their fruit. So I'll start off by saying that um, you got these beings and in some of these induction encounters, uh, I'm scratching my head like, okay, this being supposed to be so advanced, it can warp time and space. And yet it doesn't have even enough ethical behavior to show as much ethics as a person does to a cat, much less as a human being was advanced and intelligent as we are and emotional as we are why are they treating people with such disdain with such a lack of respect i mean if they're that intelligent they know how we feel about freedom and how important it is to us they know that by by abducting us they're kidnapping us that's a felony i think anywhere on this planet uh, they know how we feel about slavery and things like that. So why would they do that? Um, they clearly lack ethics to do that. So I would say in any situation where you have an alien species that's abducting people and treating them like animals, 
I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't trust them at all. Uh, there's this lady that wrote a book, uh, Andrea uh, something, and she talked about how uh, these beings, uh, it's kind of an older book, uh, but she believed that they were God's faithful angels, and yet she taught, describes these horrific experiences with them and the way they treated her and the way they talked to her. And then at one point in the book, they're even actually calling themselves the Watchers. And I'm like, did this, did this lady not do any Bible research? The Watchers, most of them were fallen angels. I mean, they straight up told her they were Watchers. And she's, she's still giving them glory and saying, oh, they're good guys, they're good guys. I'm like, no, no. She didn't read. She didn't know her own religion. So, you know, a, a lot of these abduction counters, they're bad. They're just straight up bad. Uh, I think the reason they sneak around at night doing these things sort of off the grid and not out in the open is because they know they're doing stuff that's not good. Um, we're a protected species, though. We have good guys protecting us also. So when they come down here, they're doing it at a risk. Uh, they're crossing a barrier that they shouldn't be crossing. We are straight up a quarantine planet. They're not supposed to be doing that. We're off limits. Uh, Satan has to get permission to do things here. That's even in the book of Job. So he does this really fine line balancing act, Satan does, uh, where he convinces other people to do his dirty work, and they end up getting nailed for it while he remains free. Uh, and that's one of the things that I understood reading the Bible is that, you know, well, Satan's not in hell. How in the world is he the god of the, you know, the prince of the power of the air? How is he getting away with all this? It's because he's always been able to convince others to do his dirty work. And they're idiots that listen to him. And God is allowing this because Satan knows that line, right? To go up to it and then not cross it and get other people to do what he wants them to do. So he's managed to stay out of that all the way until the end. In the end, he's going to play his trump card with the Antichrist. And God is going to allow him to have his way, but only with the people that are disobedient and that are rejecting God. It's like God's way of saying, if you're going to reject me, then fine. Here's your alternative. Have at it. See how much you like it. And in that process, maybe we'll turn you know, the people that are disobedient will realize the mess that they got themselves into. They'll see the examples going on around them, and they'll realize, man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, just like the prodigal son. And they'll come to their senses, and then they'll go to God. That's the whole point. That's why God allows this. So he's allowing us within our free will to choose. Uh, so during this temporary time-space period of time, we have this right to choose. Uh, between following God or whatever alternative. And that's where Satan has his free will to, you know, has his, his uh, reign to do what he wants. And in part of that is um, him convincing these beings to come down here and mess with people and do things with people like these, these abduction things. And then sometimes they get caught. Uh, I've heard of abduction encounters where people called on the name of Jesus and those things got, they left. They took off. So there's okay. definitely a connection there. And I mm -hmm. think in most cases, an abduction is a fallen angel. But not always, because mm -hmm. sometimes they're not bad. I've heard of actual encounters that were good. Mm -hmm. Right. So, well, John, as we, uh, yeah, yeah. so as we kind of wrap up here, I was curious, um, what are some things that you're looking 
uh, on the lookout for in uh, both in the news and in the in the coming months and years ahead? What what are some things that are you know you're looking for signs of? Honestly, I'm waiting for that day. Um, you remember the the um, that movie um, Independence Day. I'm waiting for that day. Honestly, <laughs> I would not be surprised to walk outside tomorrow morning, get in my newspaper and look up in the sky and see alien spacecraft everywhere. <laughs> that would honestly not surprise me. Uh, I think that we're right there near this pivotal point where these beings are going to start making themselves known. Um, it's possible. Uh, so I talked about two different, two different ways this could go about. Uh, us developing the technology to actually go out to other worlds, warming up to the idea, finding life out there, starting with microbial, and then kind of working ourselves up to slightly more complicated things. And at that point, people know, okay, there is life out there. It is possible. And then at that point, that's us going out and then discovering what's out there and then saying, hey, we found them, but they're good guys. And then there wouldn't be mass panic. However, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in a way that the world isn't going to freak out because the world was not freaking out about these things back in the days of Noah. The world was actually worshiping these beings. Hmm. So we're going to see them come back. They will come back in the future. Uh, I don't know how that's all going to play out with them just showing up here or us going there. But however it plays out, they're going to come back. Another thing I see in the future is war. Um, involving these beings good and bad and you see that especially in daniel uh, but some in revelation uh, where it says there will be battles in the heavens uh, that there will be uh, the host of heaven will come down and actually intermingle in our battles and in our warfare so we're going to see some of that we've always seen it in warfare uh, warfare seems to be something that you know, these otherworldly beings show up during the middle of conflict for some reason. Um, but I think that we're going to see more of that. And uh, it may be in our lifetimes that we're actually going to see open contact, full disclosure, the reality, the extraterrestrial reality actually become part of our reality. Uh, but when it does, expect that message that the ancient astronaut people have been preaching since day one, you know, um, that that God is not God. Uh, but then I, I actually talk about it in the Strong Delusion too. Um, I provide a couple of different scenarios in that book on how open disclosure can be. Um, they actually predict Jesus will come, but uh, that he will return, but he will be a fake Jesus. Hmm. That there's going to be a fake Jesus that's going to show up first. And he's going to give credence to someone else. He's going to say, I'm not who you thought I was. I am not uh, God to be worshipped. I am just a man. I, I come from another world. I actually am a king, uh, and I came from another world, but uh, you know, I'm not the person that you think I am. I'm not God. You shouldn't worship me. Um, that, by definition, is blasphemy, by the way. Uh, the Bible actually tells you straight up that to deny Jesus came in the flesh is blasphemy. Uh, and that is actually what the Antichrist will say. Uh, John says it in the, in the book of John, that uh, the Antichrist, that's his message, that Jesus isn't who he said he was. Uh, 
Uh, and this person in Revelation is known as the one who will speak, who will be like a lamb, but speak like a dragon. Uh, so this fake Jesus is going to show up and he's going to be this otherworldly rock star and everybody's going to love him. Um, Muslims will love him because he'll say that he's a Muslim. He endorses the Muslim religion. Jews will love him because he'll say that he was a Jew. New Agers will love him because he comes from another planet and he emerges from a UFO, you know, and he'll be so charismatic and he'll have things about him. The scientific community will love him because he'll be like, you know, associated with like UFOs and technology and everything. Uh, one of the first things he does is, you know, um, they, they build this thing called the image of the beast. That's artificial intelligence. The Revelation actually talks about artificial intelligence, something that's going to control the global economy. Um, and it is a living thing that has a resemblance of life breathed into it. And it's like turned on. But this thing isn't truly alive because in the very tail end of Revelation, when you see the false prophet and the Antichrist thrown into the, the lake of fire, that image of the beast isn't even mentioned almost like he's just switched off. Uh, so he wasn't truly alive to begin with. Hmm. So these things we're going to see in the future, and we're seeing like elements of it today, you know, with artificial intelligence. Uh, we're seeing uh, that mark of the beast. I'd say that cell phone is getting pretty close to it. Almost everybody's integrated with that thing, but it'll be more than a cell phone. In the future, it's going to be like a, an actual mark. That's something that I think um, is going to be a literal thing. Um, the vaccine passports that they're talking about and actually, you know, plugging a chip into people where they can track them and then connecting it with something related to safety and that if you don't have it, then you're like, you know, being a horrible person endangering other people, you know, to not have this thing. Um, it's just a control ploy, you know, and, and I think it's going toward that mark of the beast. So... These things, well, we see them in the future, and there's, like, pieces of that all over the place right now. Well, you've given us a lot to think about, John, quite a bit, um, a lot to digest. I think other people who follow in the footsteps of Christianity will appreciate the things that you've had to say and really mull over a lot of the things that you've put out there. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to go ahead and prepare for us to close out because we've reached about an hour and a half. Um, and I wanted to do um, first let Nathan let people know where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Deb. And thank you, John. Really have appreciated your time this evening. It's been it's been cool to listen to your uh, perspective. And and uh, I do echo what Deb said. I think a lot of people who come from that tradition will really resonate with a lot of things that that, that you said on the show tonight. Um, yeah, so I can be found on uh, Calling All Beings um, on YouTube and uh, your podcast platform of choice. And similarly, uh, on Liminal Frames, uh, both on the Exo Academian YouTube channel and on uh, various podcast networks. So, yeah, that's me. Okay. Thank and, you. And, Sean, your final question for the night. Can you please let other people know where they can find you? Okay. Uh, well, my band site is on my name, you know, johnmyler.com, M-I-L-O-R. Uh, but uh, probably easier to remember would be uh, christianufology.net. 
Uh, I also have aliensandthebible.com. Or no, aliensandtheantichrist.com and aliensinthebible.com. Uh, so a couple of websites. Strong, thestrongdelusion.net. I also have that one. So uh, a couple of my books um, have, you know, those four books have their own website, but they're all consolidated on the same website, johnmyler.com. Um, and uh, my email is jmilor at yahoo.com, jmyler. Uh, and I welcome all emails. And for anybody that wants to give me an Amazon review, uh, I'll send them a free PDF of any book that they review. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And for people who go to your site, there is a free book already on the book uh, on the site that you can take a look at. That's mm -hmm. um, one that I was taking a look at. It was um, quite good. It's also on the UFO Connector. I've linked it there to your site um, and cool. your PDF. Thank you. Right, so people can find that there. And thank you again for coming and sharing your um, insights and your research into the Bible with us. We really appreciate your time um, and your contribution. I think, again, other people will appreciate your perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Right. Thanks, guys. Blessings. And so this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo. I'm part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. If you guys want to find me, I'm at Study of UAPs. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm all over the place. Reach out if you need me. Take care, everybody.